Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So yes, I technically I think there is a technical difference between marmalade and jam. Do you know what the technical difference is? I think marmalade. I think the answer is no. <laughs> no, 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 there is no. There's definitely a difference. I think marmalade has a higher fruit content, and I think jam has a higher sugar content. So which mm. is which is better? Well, you want more fruit. You want more peanut butter is what you want. I used to play football for a jam factory. <laughs> <laughs> you and uh, you, 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 it would be a great like Jamie Vardy story if you now went on to play for. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in the first team, though. I was in the preserves. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. I didn't play football for a jam factory. <laughs> uh, amazing. I can't believe I went for it, too. <laughs> Such a dead joke. <laughs> it's actually my dad's, one of my dad's favourite jokes. So, so, yeah. <laughs> That's quite good. Oh, anyway... It's enough joking around for now. <laughs> I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> I know, right? Anyway, joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football podcast is Dan Burke. Hello. And Daniel Isroff. Good morning. Uh, the usual email, if you want to get in touch, listeners, is podcast at onefootball.com. Get any questions you have in there. Or should you wish, get onto iTunes, give the pod a rating, and leave a comment to let us know how you think we're doing. Now, Dan, we were discussing uh, during the week what we should talk about on the podcast. We thought about Chelsea. We thought about Arsenal, we thought about who could replace Wenger. We thought, it's all a bit bit boring. But then we stumbled across this little old club called Liverpool. Hmm. Now, hands up, and we have to be honest about this, we've ignored them for a bit, but we, we do think they deserve our praise. So where would you like to start, Dan? Mo Salah's goal? Bobby Firmino's teeth? <laughs> where would you like to go? Uh, well, we can start with both of those guys, I think, because uh, they've both been in phenomenal form lately, especially especially Salah. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he scores every single game, doesn't he? To the point where I'm sort of getting annoyed by him now. <laughs> it's like every game he seems to get on the score sheet. But I think, um, I think Firmino has been overlooked a little bit this season, actually. I think there's an argument to say that he's even Liverpool's best player this season. Um, one of the best number nines in the league, I think. Um, he's, he's another one who, who keeps scoring goals. He's, he, he plays that false nine role beautifully. Um, keeps scoring no look goals as well. I think I read that he's scored fourteen percent of his goals this season have been no look goals. That's impressive. Wow. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, what a smashing pair of Nashes he's got as well. There was a video recently of him and Coutinho, and who was this one? Maybe Oxlade Chamberlain greeting kids at a you know a sort of nice Christmas thing. They surprise kids. Who would you like mm. to meet? Firmino or Santa Claus and loads of them would go for Firmino but the the video was lovely but I just couldn't stop looking at his teeth <laughs> I don't know if they're real or not but they're stunning absolutely stunning his hair meanwhile yeah not Less as stunning about that, yeah. <laughs> not as stunning uh, speaking of Salah Thierry Henry had an interesting quote about him he said I like his movement he always wants to go in behind there's no step overs there's no trying to nutmeg there's no skills for no reason he's going at you if you're ready or not that's your problem he's been more efficient than Coutinho in his first season that's the that's the one of the interesting things about Salah he's extremely efficient mm. yeah I mean there's a lot of p- comparisons been made with Messi I think there's this sort of there's, there's definitely some truth to that, isn't there? The, the very similar styles of play. And I like that about him, that he's not flashy. He just gets the job done. He's, he's, he churns out the goals, as we said. And um, he's just a fantastic player. And a player that I 
I didn't really think that it was an amazing signing for Liverpool when they got him. I was a little bit underwhelmed by him. Mm. I think they paid about forty million for him in mm. in, in eventuality. Yeah, season. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. What What a signing he's been. Signing of the season by far. Uh, wow. I think the the thing about Salah is he actually fits so well with how Klopp tries to attack. It's it's so vertical, so direct. There's not really there's not a lot of messing about. There aren't things that, that are done for no reason and that's that's really what Salah is, is so all about. You're as impressed as Dan is with Yeah, I mean how can you how can you not be? And he turns up in Liverpool chippers too. In what? He turned up at a chippers in Liverpool the other day. What, a chip shop? Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. I didn't know that. He's just hanging out and people were getting photos oh, with him. He seemed, he seemed like a good dude. He also made a, he was also turning up in some sort of local playing fields, I think, as well. Really? Yeah, and somebody's grand met him and it made Oh, their, I did I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Made what their day. Uh, so other than the front tree, um, why are they playing so well? What, what, is it that, what is it that Klopp has got now? Why are they humming? Um, I mean, well, everyone knows about the gag and press, don't they? Um, and I think they, they're getting better at that every single week. Um I read some quotes from uh, from Henderson, actually. He was talking about Firmino and said that he's a player who really helps with the press, really works hard up front and closes down defenders and it, it helps the whole team. And The whole team just seems to have come on leaps and bounds in, in recent weeks. I think they've won seven of the ten games since the turn of the year in all competitions, so they're doing really well. I mean, they were amazing against Porto in the Champions League, so um, they've got a good chance of going far in that competition as well. Um, I think Van Dijk's been a really good signing for them. Um, I, I read a stat about the amount of aerial duels he's won since he's come. I think he's he's got the best record in the Premier League for that, um, and, and seems to have really calmed calmed the defence there. Carrius is playing well in goal as well, which is um, a surprise. It is a surprise, yeah, yeah, and that that's helped them. Um, and and yeah, just all over the pitch, I think they've improved in every single department. I think it's one of those words that people throw out a lot and, and doesn't mean so much all the time, but I think they're a lot more balanced, actually, without Coutinho mm. and certainly with Van Dijk. It's like they've redistributed a bit because they, they had a lot of cutting edge, they had a lot of creativity, and, and what they didn't have was some sturdiness at the back. Uh, Van Dijk's given them that, but also the ability to play with another sort of real midfielder, a little a little more steel in the midfield, I think has helped a lot because you get enough production out of uh, Salan, Firmino and Mane anyways. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I think selling Coutinho will be looked back on as a, a really good move actually. Well that was gonna be my next question. There was certainly a perception outside of Anfield <clears throat> that Liverpool would collapse once Coutinho did one to Barcelona. It's not really been the case. No. And and against West Ham at the weekend they played four three three with mm. um uh, Can, uh, Milner, and uh, Oxley Chamberlain yeah. in the middle, yeah, and like you said, they just look really balanced. Whereas if Coutinho was there, I think Klopp would would be unable to resist the temptation to try and get all four of those forward players in the same team, and it was just they'd just be a little, little bit too hot, top heavy with that, I think. So and too light in midfield, yeah. So it's probably been a bit of a blessing for them, Coutinho leaving, and you oh. know they've made a, a very good profit on him as well. Very nice profit indeed. Mm. Uh, you mentioned Emery. How important is it that they keep him? I don't he, think it seems so willing. They seem so willing to let the contract run down, or at mm. least they couldn't get to the proper negotiations. I don't think it's very important at all, really. I, I, I don't well, rate him that highly. I think he's, he's okay. Um, I mean, it'll be a shame if they lose him on a free transfer for, for financial reasons, but for sort of footballing reasons, I don't know if it's going to be that big a deal. They've got Naby Keita to come in the summer, who's going to be the new sort of engine room. And Oxlade-Chamberlain played central midfield at the weekend and did very, very well. And that was the position that he was sort of promised that he would get the opportunity to play when he came to Liverpool and everyone sort of thought, oh, that's not going to happen. 
But um, but yeah, he showed that he he actually is a, a good central midfielder in that game, and I hope he gets more chances there to show what he can do. Okay, so no need to worry about Chan. I don't think so. Who was <clears throat> linked this morning with Manchester United? Oh yeah, can't believe that. I think I'm pretty sure he's going to Juventus. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. A slow central done. midfielder yeah. is not quite what Manchester you need right, Manchester United need right now. Um, Andrew Robertson is another one I want to talk about. It looks like Liverpool have solved their left back problem. It does, yeah. I mean, a problem uh, has haunted them since <laughs> God knows when. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Liverpool fans are uh, let's be let's be honest, prone to a little bit of hyperbole, um, especially when they're they're in a good mood as they are not, at the moment. You're not going to make any friends that way, Dan. I know, I know. But I was um, I was looking on Twitter earlier today. Um, see what people were saying about Robertson and people were saying he's the, le- the best left back in the league and well, that's like when uh, they were calling Flanagan the, the Red Cafu yeah the, yeah the, the yeah. John Ed Cafu yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that must have been tongue in cheek <laughs> um, but yeah I mean he's been superb I was really impressed with him at Hull um, I mean the way he's been playing at the moment 8 million for him looks like an absolute steal and, and I don't million, think there are all. it was yeah yeah and I don't think there are too many better left backs than him in the league on current form certainly so I can see why they're very happy with him, and uh, yeah, I think they've done really well there. Okay, uh, one or two more questions before we move on. Pep Guardiola, your man, was saying that uh, he thinks they're the closest team to challenging Manchester City for the title. Mm. Wow, couldn't agree more. Yeah, I really? mean they're the oh. only team to have to have given City a, a proper game this season, aren't they? Really, one of three teams to beat City and Except beat them Wigan. convincingly. Well, yeah. I mean that was a that was a, a a different story really, but yeah, I mean Liverpool in that in that ten minutes against uh, City Anfield blew them away, and um, the the front three were unbelievable that day, um, and 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 they've just been sort of carrying on that form. Obviously, there's still a bit of a lack of consistency with Liverpool. The game after that one, they lost one 0 away to Swansea, so that's something they need to sort out in the coming years if they are going to challenge for the title. But yeah, I think I think they're the second best team in the country easily. Easily, easily, yeah. So they're be- better than United, better than Chelsea. It's a strong claim. I think, I, I, probably at their best, they're the closest team to City. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of hitting their best more often, which yeah. they've done a better job of recently. To be fair, but I still, I, I just look especially at the back four and the goalkeeper, and I'm not convinced that they can keep up good form for long periods of time, which is what what Chelsea were able to do last season, and United at stretches this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's back four and goalkeeper Liverpool. I mean, they're the sort of obvious ones for Liverpool, isn't it? That they that's what they need to improve if they want to start a title. Bit. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to win a title with Dejan Lovren playing central defence, are you? I don't think. I mean, he has his moments, but he has some some shockers as well. And um, as good as Carrius has been recently, I think they still need to have a look at, at getting a new goalkeeper. Probably get rid of Mignolet in the summer, and, and uh, if they get uh, Alisson from Roma, I think that'll be a good signing. Yeah. Being just better than Mignolet is not really a good enough reason to pick carriers on a regular basis, is is what I would say. Okay. Anyway, moving on, we've got a question from a listener, Joe Proctor in New Zealand. He says he loves the podcast, listens every week all the way from uh, from New Zealand. I'm a Sheffield-born lad, so I obviously support Sheffield United. Obviously. Obviously, yeah. (laughs) Uh, He would love to know what you think about the EFL at this point in the season. More importantly, who do you think is going to get promoted into the Premier League and who's going to go down? Good question. I think the the teams to come up will be the the current top three in the Championship. So Wolves, who are having a fantastic season. Um, People who don't know, they've got an affiliation with uh, with George Mendes, the Mm. uh, the super agent now. So they've got Nuno Espirito Santo as their coach and uh, spent quite a bit of money on the summer on uh, some of Portuguese... uh, 
some Portuguese talent and, and Spanish and Spanish and Spanish yeah and they've been they've been doing very well I think Cardiff will come up as the second place team as, as they are at the moment under Neil Warnock yeah did you know Neil Warnock is a qualified chiropodist <laughs> I did not you're going to have to tell me what a chiropodist is it's toes isn't it yeah yeah feet yeah. well feet in general yeah, think, feet. isn't it yeah yeah, yeah you can qualify chiropodist can, wow if you need your if you need your feet done I will definitely not be going to Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock's your man. Do you know the he got, like an anagram of Neil Warnock's name is Colin Wanker as well? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a Neil Warnock fact to share with you guys. <laughs> Sorry, continue on. Yeah, and my third team to come up is uh, is Aston Villa. I think they'll come up via the playoffs. Yeah, third at the moment. So yeah. um, I think there's a bit of distance between them and fourth place. Um, I think Joe might get to enjoy Sheffield United in the playoffs. But I don't think they're quite good enough to come up. I don't uh, know if anybody season. enjoys the playoffs. <laughs> Not Except really, no. neutral fans. Neutrals. Yeah. Neutrals, neutrals, it's great. Yeah. And who's going down? Going down, uh, I think West Brom well, are that's, gone. That's a given. Seven points from yeah. safety at the moment. It's not looking good for them. And they've shown, I mean, three wins from 37 games is ridiculous. I think one since Pardew took over. Yeah, he's really made a difference. <laughs> yeah. To taxis uh, in well, Spain. He's, he's made his mark in Spain, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Swansea are going to go down. Uh, Carlos Carvajal's done a decent job but I just think they lack a bit of quality and I think that's going to tell in the end mm. and I think Newcastle are going to go down as well oh no uh, yeah, nobody yeah. wants to hear that no again a, a team who just they're a championship side aren't they basically and I think the, the only reason they're, they're not sort of in the relegations at the moment is because they've got Rafa Benitez but I don't think that's going to be quite enough for them in the end well, sorry to sorry to hear that mm. poor Newcastle fans elsewhere the season might almost be done <clears throat> let me start that again now Elsewhere, the season might almost be done around Europe, but things are just kicking off in the US, and this weekend sees the return of the MLS, Danny. Yes, it does. What's been going on since December? What have we missed out on? Anything interesting? Yeah, quite a lot, actually. I mean, there's so there's been, I I think, a couple big storylines. One is just the continued growth of the league. So there's the new team coming in this season, which is LAFC, and then they announced or confirmed two future teams in Nashville and David Beckham, Miami Football FC, whatever it's going to be called. Um, and then a little bit more of the, the shift that we touched on at times last season, which is instead of looking to bring in sort of big name aging European stars, they've they've started turning their attention towards South America and these young, talented South American players uh, who can come in for cheap and then eventually be, be resold or, or repay their value over time. That's uh, a superb idea. It's fantastic. And just about every club in the league has brought in a young Latin American player from somewhere this mm-hmm. season. Is there uh, a limit on the amount of different like foreigners that you can have in the team? Yeah, there are some limits, but it's not that that thing that side of it is not actually so strict. Okay. So yeah, I've heard. I, I honestly, in my whole lifetime, I never thought I would hear the words "19-year-old attacking midfielder from Argentina" so many times <laughs> as, I've, as I've heard heard this winter. Well, tell us a bit about um, LAFC. Yeah, so LA, so the the LAFC. There used to be two teams in LA. I'm not sure if you guys remember. There was a team called Chivas USA, kind of like the Chivas in Mexico. They were based in LA. Dan's nodding his head. I'm they, not, he looks they, a bit unsure though. They they, um, they they folded a few years ago. So this this LAFC team has come in to sort of fill the void and and be the second team in LA. There's an interesting sort of ownership consortium behind it. Just some names of the people involved are Magic Johnson. There's uh, Vincent Tan, who everyone loves. Mm. Vincent uh, Tan? Yeah, yeah, he's part of the group. Sure. Wow. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Does he still wear his uh, trousers up to his I don't nipples? know if he's gonna, if that's going <laughs> to fly in LA, but we'll see. Um, Mia Hamm is there and Will Ferrell. Wow. Actor, yeah. 
Well, oh, he's big uh, into his football, isn't he? He's always at the Chelsea games, yeah, at the yeah, Arsenal yeah. games, or yeah. something like that. Doesn't he okay. support Stoke or someone crazy like that? Yeah, that's Slash. Is it? Slash supports <laughs> yeah. Stoke. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, on the pitch, they, I, I think they're they're looking at sort of what Atlanta United did last year and trying to follow that model a little bit. Um, the 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 manager is. Uh, Bob Bradley, who's who's simultaneously one of I think the greatest coaches in American history and one of probably probably the worst coach ever to coach <laughs> in the Premier League, possibly. He's up yeah, there, I think. Yeah. yeah. He, he so so right. it's going to be interesting to see uh, on w- what end of that spectrum he uh, he falls with LAFC, and yeah, they've brought in some 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 sort of Latin American flavor and look like they could could make a decent impact. Are they trying to siphon off support from Galaxy? Will they be able to do that, do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of buzz. I think the, the, the marketing's been pretty good. They have all these nice black and gold colors. Um, and they're definitely trying to, trying to yeah, take, take fans away, I guess, from, from LA Galaxy or potential fans. Okay, lovely. There's also been some interesting managerial appointments. I mean, Brad Friedel was sort of late last year, but he's at New England. And Remy Gard... Remember Remy Gard? Aston Villa, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's at Montreal. Yeah. No, I think, again, it's sort of teams looking at what's been successful recently in the league and trying to, to copy that a little bit. So um, Montreal, for example, looking at uh, Patrick Vieira at NYCFC or Tata Martino, people with a bit of international caliber and, mm-hmm. uh, and experience and turning to Remy Gard, who, let's not forget, is a Champions League manager, won titles in France. Um, and then there's Brad Friedel, which I just think is so, so interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, yeah, he's a huge name, but with, with, with no management experience. Um, he's a goalkeeper, obviously goalkeeper, and I think he spent a lot of his sort of later career, you, you, you hear him a lot, I think he was on Match of the Day a few times, mm-hmm. I, and he actually has some, some interesting analysis of games. I think he's been preparing for this for a long time. Uh, but whether or not that translates into actually being able to negotiate a group of guys and 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 turn mm. what's been an irrelevant team into a, a successful one remains to be seen. Yeah, he did strike me as somebody who's always who's thought about the game quite a lot. He also has that brilliant sort of like hybrid transatlantic accent. That yeah. He's got. yeah. He's also scary. I imagine if he gets angry in the dressing room, everybody listens. <laughs> Probably, he's a big dude. He is a big. dude. I can't think big of dude. too many goalkeepers who've gone on to be good managers. That's a good the shout. There head. isn't. I wonder why that is. If you can think of any, podcast at onefootball.com. Yeah. Po- yeah, podcast at onefootball.com. <laughs> that's yeah. good. No, that's, that's a very good question. Yeah. Okay. I thought the stereotype was always that, that goalkeepers could see the whole pitch and had a lot of time to yeah, think. Yeah, think made, so, wouldn't you? Yeah, made typically yeah. good managers. But I'm really racking my brain. I can't now. think of anyone off the top of my head now. No, maybe we'll, we'll maybe have a think about come that and come back to it. it. Okay, on to the favourites for this season. Toronto? Yeah, so I mean, the, I oh. don't think there's ever been a stronger favourite going into oh, no. an MLS season. Um, yeah, Dark Tor- horses, then. Tor- Toronto, the huge favourites. Um, let's start, I think, in the East. Uh, uh, Atlanta are so many people's dark horses that I actually don't think you... They're more like white stallions at this point. They're like, <laughs> uh, they're, You've really I, got me... I, I have to say, Danny really got me into Atlanta last season. Mm. I, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I think it's a terrific... They, they did ter- terrifically well. And, Such a brilliant story. Yeah, very yeah. excited to see what they can do. I think they should be good. They've brought in this... Uh, the, the record MLS signing, this 18-year-old kid from Argentina um, who's just got injured, but we'll get back to him in a sec. Um, I think also in the East, Orlando... Uh, have made a ton of signings. They lost Kaká and Kyle Lahren, um some huge players, but they've really reshaped the team and and, and are are pushing for 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 a top spot there. And then NYCFC will be back without a doubt. 
to challenge Toronto. I think in the West, we have Seattle who have to be there again. Um, and then I think Rail Salt Lake are a very interesting team. They have a lot of young signings and played particularly, a lot of young players played particularly well at the end of last season. Uh, and then if I had to throw two wild cards into the West, I would say the two LA teams could, could both be really interesting. So LA Galaxy were 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 terrible last year, but they've they've improved a lot. Brought in a, a striker and a defensive midfielder should should really clean things up. And then I think the the complete wild card is um, LAFC. Wow, is the Deuce still gone? Yeah, he's still there. Still okay. banging yeah. jeans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not still rapping, unfortunately. Uh, tell us about this young Atlanta player. Yeah, so he's he's reported to have cost Atlanta fifteen million dollars, which absolutely absolutely smashed the incoming transfer record in wow. uh, in, in MLS. Um, say it again. Not much. The fifteen. Like. No, but it's a it's a league that hasn't really dealt with big figures because of they, they've mm. you know put caps on these kind of things. In, yeah, that's true. They've been the sensible about it. Um, uh, it came from Independiente, sort of very talented tricky player that a lot of the top European clubs have reported to have shown interest in. Um, he's he's uh, done his quad, I think it is, so we won't see him for another four or six weeks, but should be really exciting. Um, and then basically, I think there are a lot of other, I could pick any one of, I don't know, a dozen sort of talented mm-hmm. Latin American players who've come into the league. Everyone's looking for the next Miguel Almiron, who was the, the guy who had so much success at Atlanta last mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's reported to be a target for Arsenal and the Milan clubs and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, basically everyone's gone all out and tried to get their own Almiron. It'll be interesting to see now whether the MLS becomes like a breeding ground for like, you know, via, you know, they go via America and then onto Europe rather than going directly to Europe. I, I think that's that's what a lot of the clubs are angling for. And I think it's very clever. It's uh, obviously a lot more sustainable than buying expensive stars from Europe uh, paying them a lot of money and then they 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 retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather take these young players, help them develop. You can sell them on if they stay great. If not, you've you, you've made a profit mm-hmm. that you can then go and do it again with. A lot more interesting too to get behind a couple of nice young players rather than these kind of old players. Absolutely. Just check and, in for and, the and the other thing, I think there's a there's a lot more sort of personal con- co- connection, especially for some of the Latin fans, to see you know players coming from. Colombia or Mexico or Paraguay or wherever it is so that that helps attract fans as well okay so we you're going with Toronto as your prediction for this season anyway yeah I'd love to try and go with someone else but that would be really stupid so I'm gonna go with Toronto (laughs) okay well we got one or two more minutes uh so which means we can talk about the NASL Hmm. which is a bit of a shambles at the moment well yeah shambles that that no longer exists right or they they say they're they're gonna reevaluate and but basically, yeah, the the NASL, which was the second, was officially a second tier league uh, in America, uh, near Cosmos, Raul, all those all those things, uh, have cancelled their 2018 season uh, in in true American um, <laughs> league style. Uh, basically, yeah, they, their second divi- division status was taken away from them. A lot of the clubs had money problems. Some were going to other leagues, and they they tried to file a lawsuit and get the second division 
status back, but that that failed miserably. Oh God! Um, so and now the there's team that won the league fold as well. Yeah, last yeah, year, San, yeah, San Francisco, yeah. and they were a new team, two years old or something <laughs> like that. Um, so they folded. It's it's just it's tough. Is 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 the truth? The the I, I could do a whole nother podcast on it, but I'll leave it at two words, which are promotion and relegation. And <laughs> I think mm. you'll see you'll see yeah. where the the discussion. Okay, go. and to make matters worse. Morocco are going to beat USA to the World Cup. Yeah, what's this about? So, there was, I, I, I think, I mean, first of all, I think probably North America still wins out. It's announced. Uh, it's going to be announced just just before the World Cup, so in June. Um, but this yeah, is there World was Cup twenty twenty six. Twenty twenty six. There was this huge big article in ESPN this week, uh, quoting a lot of FIFA officials and officials from the different confederations, saying that. Morocco was gaining ground on the 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 joint U.S. Canada Mexico bid for the 2026 World Cup and possibly even overtaking them and and that of course of course caused widespread panic in America because you can imagine the uh, the the shame of not qualifying for this World Cup and then not receiving what was thought to be a sure bet for 2026 yeah was in is this a sam borden's article it's an interesting quote from it the trickier question for the north american bid is actually something remarkably basic at this particular moment in time does the world want to give something nice to the united states yeah <laughs> I love no, and it. i think that's a great I, I think it's a great point i mean imagine imagine going to a world cup knowing that donald trump claimed credit for bringing the world cup to america i would just <laughs> i would probably yeah i would be very upset <laughs> So this Sunday sees the return of one of the most iconic derbies in the world, Inter v Milan, the Derby della Modina. On the phone to talk about all of this is one football's Francesco Porzio. Francesco, Milan have not lost since December 23rd. What's going right all of a sudden? Uh, Gattuso is doing a great work. And uh, I have to say that. And um, think about it. The last uh, defeat was on December 23rd, as you said. And the game after was a derby in Coppa Italia against Inter. And he won that game, Gattuso, but he did a great job, not only physically, but also psychologically thinking. And uh, I have to say that now they have a very solid defense. They won yesterday at the penalties, the semifinal of Coppa Italia against Lazio. So there's going to be the final in May against Juventus, so Milan-Juventus in May. And um, it's it's doing a great job. Nobody expected. Is is that mentality, is that one of the, the main things that has changed so far? For sure, for sure, but not only, because also, as I said, um, now they, they run more just that. So, uh, for example, like Bonucci, he's doing great. Uh, Bonaventura, he's doing great. Donnarumma came, um, came back because he didn't start uh, well at the beginning of the season. And also this guy, Patrick Cutrone, the striker, he's a surprise for everyone. And he was also good with Montella, but now he scored in every single game the last five so uh, that's a surprise also because Milan bought Andre Silva and Kalinic in the summer for a lot of millions and now they are going to play with this guy who is uh, two, not even 20 years old so it's a surprise he's very similar to Inzaghi if you want, uh, if you want a better comparison but he has a great career uh, One person who's not doing so well at the moment is the is the Milan owners are <laughs> <laughs> Have have they gone? Have they gone broke, or what's what's the latest story there? Okay, um, so 
Remember, there was a New York Times story, I think in October, about this, these um, owners of AC Milan. So now the most important Italian newspaper, who is the Corriere della Sera, reported that Yongong Li, who is the owner, had debts with two banks in China, and he never paid, so he went bankrupt with these banks. So uh, what happened last year, that was last year, the banks put his assets on auction. On, uh, on this Chinese um, Tabao, which is basically the Chinese eBay. Um, and so it's very broke. And in the meantime that these things were happening, he was buying AC Milan last year and he bought him for 700 million. So the question is, where did this money came from? And, um, and then now they have to repay a debt which uh, they still have with this uh, American fund who is called Elliot. And they have to repay until October 15, I think. It's like 300 million. So if they don't make it to Champions League, it's going to be very hard to me now to get this money. Uh, elsewhere, Inter have two wins in their last eight games. They're out of the cup. They're just about inside the Champions League places. And they've probably no chance of winning the league. It's all going very wrong yeah, for them. Yeah, definitely. It, uh, it's going wrong for them, no? So Inter, it's another huge topic in Italy right now. Um, there is basically a lack of personality of the key players, I think, because players like Icardi, which is the, who is the captain, or Borca Valero, Miranda, Perisic, Candreva. So let's say the, the key players of this team, when the results didn't came up, they didn't have the personality to do something more for the team, you know? And so in Italy, we, have, we, we, we say uh, the full glass and the empty glass. I don't know if there is also the English... Uh, um, words to describe this but the full glass of this is that Inter is there you know it's in fourth place it's still in a good position they still make it to the Champions League but the empty glass as we say in Italy is that we play very poor football and Spalletti seems to have no other tactical options to overcome this problem And but there are some hopes there are some hopes the derby of course is an hope because if you win the derby you know also psychologically psychologically you can do better later and there are some players like Rafinha who who can actually change something and um, Icardi uh, wants to play the World Cup and maybe he now there is uh, Higuain and Lautaro Martinez in South America who are doing great so if he doesn't do better he's not going to a World Cup so he, he has to do better in this period of time so we'll see so where is the, the where will the derby be won and lost Okay, so there are both solid defenses at the end, and I think whoever scores first is going to win at the end because psychologically they it will be very hard to to win after. And uh, Inter, as I said, needs players of personality in the, also in the derby because the derby it's a derby, and you have all the pressure in the world. Every the all the old world is watching you. The whole world is watching Italy that day because there are the elections too. So it's going to be a huge weekend in Italy. Um, and one final question before we let you go. Buffon, yeah. is, Buffon is back. Is this the greatest thing that's ever happened to Italy? Probably yes, probably yes. As I said in the last podcast to Dan, he probably remember. Uh, I had no actual evidence of it, but I had this impression that Buffon wanted to continue until 2020, not, not just for one year. Because he didn't want to leave the national team with the, let's say, disaster of San Siro. 
which was a tragedy for the Italians. And so he wants to continue, I think, just for the national team. But we have to see if Juventus is willing to let him play for Juventus in the next year and also in the next two years, I think. So he, I think he didn't decide yet. He will for sure in the next month, but uh, Juventus is pressuring him to decide. And uh, Di Biagio, the interim coach of Italy, called him for the two friendlies that we have in March. And he, Buffon replied and said, if the national team needs me, I will play that. But that doesn't sound me like, uh, you know, a um, farewell match for Buffon. It sounds more like uh, I want to play for the national team. But the goalkeeper is probably the only position in the field that Italy is fully covered because there is Gigi Donnarumma, who is the future of Italian football, probably. So we'll see. We'll see. It's a big, uh, it's a big debate in Italy. Many people say that he has to quit. Many people hope that he doesn't. We'll see. It's his decision and he will make it in the next two months. That was one football's Francesco Porzio. I hope I've pronounced his name right. I think I've got it right. <laughs> Milan Derby. Danny, but you're more intrigued by their ownership issue. Yeah, I mean, I read the New York Times story that he was referring to. And I think it's kind of, I mean, it's it's terrible, don't get me wrong, but it's also kind of hilarious that uh, the few of the Italian lads were talking in the office and they say the there's a theory that, that the person behind all this is actually Berlusconi and it's his money in a way of still sort of owning Milan and whatever. And so in a few weeks we could have uh, Berlusconi back as Prime Minister of Italy, Milan doing well and Berlusconi owning Milan. It'll be just like, you know, the 2000s all over again. My mum and sister once bumped into him into a, in a hotel in Sicily. To that's, Berlusconi? Yeah, but that's a, wow. <clears throat> that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> Prediction then for the derby? Uh, I can't see past Milan really, so I'll say I'll say two nil on uh, on current form. One one, one one. And by the way, the best thing to happen to Italian football is not the return of Buffon, mm. but the impending return of Super Mario Balotelli. Oh, he's coming back and he means business. Who did he used to play for? Uh, he always played for Inter and Milan, but he's he's coming back to the national team, isn't he? And City, <laughs> and City, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that he's biased. <laughs> okay, well that's all from us today. My thanks to Dan, Danny, Francesco and producer Demo and thanks to you for listening.